We recently did some very in-depth coverage in the domain where marketing and machine learning uh, intersect. Uh, if you click on the research tab at techemergence.com, uh, you can see the, the latest marketing and machine learning research that we had done. A lot of detail about what industry might be transformed, um, which applications are potentially going to drive the most value for companies, and which businesses might be most primed to take advantage of AI. But it leaves a lot of questions still open, and that's what we aim to solve with this interview here on the AI and Industry Podcast. This week, we have Alex Haloub from Vidora. He's the CEO and founder of Vidora. Uh, Alex speaks with us about what does it take to get AI to work to improve marketing results. In other words, what are the resources we need in terms of money, time, in-house expertise, maybe out-of-house expertise, consultants or vendor companies, and what kind of time and calibration might be required, what kind of data might be required in order to actually leverage AI uh, in a realistic way in, in a business context. There's some businesses that are just not set up to be leveraging artificial intelligence to improve marketing right now, and there's some businesses that very much should be considering it. Alex draws some pretty firm lines as to what businesses are primed to take advantage of AI and what it actually takes to kind of flip that switch and make AI an additional kind of revenue driver in the marketing domain. So without further ado, this is Alex with Vidora on the AI and Industry Podcast. So, Alex, uh, what we're going to focus on as kind of a gist of the chat is what does it take to improve marketing results with AI? And I think a good place to start there is where AI is currently driving results. We like to focus a little bit less on five-year R&D when we can and focus a little bit more on current ROI. Where do you, running a, a marketing company, obviously being deeply embedded in these technologies, where do you see AI currently making a difference in the bottom line in the marketing world? Yeah, absolutely, Dan. I think, so Vidora, we, we focus very much on online businesses. So folks that have a heavy online component, I think it's it's kind of, it's it's probably useful to put that in some context in terms of what's made AI possible now um, in order to understand yeah, what yeah. domains AI can, can really be applied in. So, you know, as, as we all know, over the last, call it five, 10 years, there have been heavy investments in, in this area of of big data, a lot of big data infrastructure companies that have that have come out, and what we find when we when we talk to a lot of online companies is they've begun to consolidate their data. They've begun to consolidate the data that exists um, about their customers, which traditionally has been very siloed. They've been able to put that into a central location using technologies like um, Redshift. There's a variety of technologies folks are using, but I think you know at, at a fundamental level, what's really driving the use of AI. Is that this data is 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 available, and so you know, and and I think one of the beauties that's always been thought about when you talk about the online world is this ability to understand each user in so much more detail. Like that's the real beauty: this ability to understand each user and engage each of those users uniquely. So when when we sort of think about where AI can make the biggest impact, um, I think for right now it's businesses that have a large number of users and a lot of data that's been consolidated about those users. That's really the fundamentals of where I think AI can make the biggest biggest impact for companies. Got it. Okay, um, I'm just going to, can I clarify that point, Alex, yeah. and put it in kind of language uh, just to solidify? Is uh, It sounds as though what you're saying is like, I like concepts that help people understand what's possible, what's not, and really get it, uh, a lens to look through a technology with. It sounds like for you, 
Um, the commonalities, which overlap really, really well with a, a big research piece we did in marketing, because we've heard all these things a bunch of times now, is that the more your engagements and interactions are tracked digitally, um, and the more touch points that, that are tracked, the more facets about the customer that are tracked, and, and at the higher volume, particularly for, for transactions like volume of the results, we know what a win and a loss is, um, the more likely it is that, that AI is going to be able to wiggle its way into your marketing processes. Is this safe to say? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's that's spot on, right? It's it's the amount of data you have on those users. Data is really the lifeblood of any uh, of most AI algorithms. And yeah, you're absolutely right. The more data you have on those users across a broader set of users, the more effective these algorithms and, and technology are really going to be. Such as machine learning. Okay, great. So uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, not to interrupt. Go ahead with with what else you were diving into. Yeah. And so, so, you know, I think taking that as, and so it's been really exciting, I think in the AI world, you know, when, when I was in grad school, I graduated, um, to 2007 with a PhD in, in, in machine learning. Um, there weren't, you know, the, the, the scale of data just wasn't available or wasn't available as broadly, but there's been a dramatic increase in kind of the scale of data that's available. And that's really driven a lot of really exciting advancements in the area of AI. Um, and specifically, the you know the way I just to get some of the term, terminology, I consider AI to be kind of a super domain of what's machine learning. So machine learning is a, a component of yep. AI. It's a yep. discipline within AI. Yep. And machine learning really is what what has been uh, driving a lot of this this AI uh, revolution that we've seen recently. Um, but you know some of the specific areas within marketing um, and martech. So that I think have been have been very have have really grown because of this data and because of these these kind of intelligence mechanisms that sit on top of that data. So one of them, I think, the area of business intelligence, right? And when you think of a business intelligence, you think of you, you think of mechanisms that calculate, for instance, customer lifetime value. Um, you think of mechanisms that may have traditionally been stored on big spreadsheets, now can really be fed into these AI algorithms, which can tell you for every user in real time. For instance, what their probability of churn is, what the probability of upsell is. So this traditional discipline of BI has really just been transformed by big data and, and combining big data with, with with AI. So I think that's one broad discipline that's been very exciting to and watch. Just, just to poke into that one a little bit too, Alex, you used some great examples and tangible examples are awesome for, for a business audience because these, you know, folks for folks to imagine what you're what you're seeing in your head and theirs uh, is the goal. You had mentioned potentially uh, predicting churn on um, business intelligence obviously has some, some pretty far-reaching ramifications particularly in the marketing space you know you're going to have a lot of dashboards you're going to have a lot of data if you're doing it, it right certainly at scale um what are the other aspects that sort of business intelligence touches on uh, tasks or results i guess that we could kind of put words to that bi is sort of seeing influenced by this influx of, of machine learning yeah i mean i think i think a broad category that I've seen a lot of um, advancements in is BI, basically anomaly detection. So you're running a business, you want to know, hey, is there something out of the ordinary happening in my business? And traditionally, you might look at a dashboard and you might analyze that dashboard on a daily cadence. Now there's technology out there that can kind of say, look, there's something unusual happening with your business today. This is something you should look at. And so um, while BI in the past was much more um, reactive, now you can be much more pro proactive about that. But you know, I think in general, BI is just as a discipline is is kind of changing um, and evolving. And I think 
we're seeing emerging a kind of BI and customer customer relationship management in a way that just wasn't possible before. Got it. So things that that might have involved maybe a human diving in to really firmly discern a difference, maybe now can be coaxed out machines by machines. Maybe uh, some of those patterns would never have been picked up by people, but can now be coaxed out. We see a lot of this in info security, right, where uh, anomaly detection is really kind of the, the highlighted thing. Um, it, it sounds like almost anything that maybe in the past you would really have to, you know, tell Steve to go into his cubicle and dig into for half an hour, a lot of that can kind of be brought to light and coaxed forth uh, by machines because pattern recognition is no longer only in the human purview. So maybe that's a good way of opening up people's imaginations to what that could mean for their own dashboards. I hope I'm, I'm using the right terms here. Yeah, absolutely. You're, cool. you're spot on now. Okay, got it. So I think BI is one broad area that's, I think, merging with MarTech. But, you know, in the area of MarTech and customer relationship management, um, there's a variety of areas that are just, I think, being being transformed. Everything from how we send out emails, what the content of those emails are. So there's companies leveraging machine learning and AI technology, not only to personalize the content of emails, but actually to personalize the verbiage, right? So actually to personalize, hey, what should that header be on that yeah. email that's sent out? All of this can be driven by big data. All of this can be driven by AI. And, and kind of I think that the notion to keep in mind is that machine learning will find the optimal the optimal way to engage each user. If you give it a chance, it will find the best thing to do to each user. And that notion that you can hyper-personalize to each user, I think that's really transformative for how businesses are going to, to speak with their users going, going forward. Yeah, targeting and segmentation, uh, personalization and recommendation, these are words that I probably heard more of those four words uh, when we did our last big consensus in the marketing space from, from other execs than I did of anything else. And they all kind of swirl around that concept you just articulated, which obviously you guys are focused on as well. And speaking of kind of the work with Vidora, just just to kind of keep us getting into some other aspects of sort of what it looks like to, to have AI improve marketing results, is getting an understanding for the business people tuned in as to what it actually takes to implement artificial intelligence into a business. We're going to have folks tuned into this episode who are startups, maybe out here in the Bay Area with, you know, three, four employees selling, you know, uh, clothing on the internet. We're going to have folks in the management consulting world. We're going to have folks in, in all kinds of different spaces and all kinds of different departments tuned in, all kinds of business people. Um, it's interesting to note, you know, what are kind of the, uh, the time requirements, the money requirements, the talent requirements, and you've already spoken a little bit about uh, the data requirements yeah. that are, are actually going to be needed in order for someone to step forward. In other words, in some cases, obviously, it's not a fit. What are kind of the baseline requirements to get something off the ground and kind of tune a machine to be able to legitimately improve results? Yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a great question. So, you know, one of the things uh, you'll see in the in in the industry is you see folks like Google, Amazon coming out with these open source machine learning platforms, and and kind of the, the message that they're sending out to the ecosystem is, look, we've we've created platforms that allow anyone to kind of get up and running with basic machine learning and AI technology. Um, and so they're looking to really enable any organization to, to, to leverage that by leveraging a combination of their cloud services with these AI libraries. I think what we see when we, when we really start talking to, to businesses is um, there is a level of expertise that's really needed um, in order to drive results 
um, from, from these different AI technologies. There's an exp- level of experience that's needed to understand what sort of features to, under- to pump into these systems. Yeah. So let's say you have data on a user. How do you map those that data into the machine learning algorithm? Yep. And without that expertise, we see a lot of folks getting suboptimal results, a lot of folks saying, hey, AI is not, not, not working. So yep. that's a path one can go down. But I think what is becoming very apparent is that there's a level of expertise that's needed along with those, those kind of those, those libraries to be really effective. You mean an in-house level of expertise uh, to some degree, right? If someone, if this is yeah. going to become a real part of the business, you, you don't want the wizard to come in for two months and do some wizardry and then leave. And then, and then you kind of don't know how to add the other data and information. You don't know how to troubleshoot or kind of build upon what you have. You sort of need someone that, that has probably what it sounds like, Alex, is like a firm grounding in data science and, and maybe a, a pretty succinct familiarity with machine learning specifically on the team. You know, do, I mean, do we need a whole department for this kind of thing? Do we need a guy or two? Uh, you know, what's realistic within a department or business for this kind of talent in order to bring in, maybe it's a company like Bedora, maybe it's, you know, other sorts of folks that are applying AI to marketing information. Yeah. What, what level of talent, you know, how, how much kind of manpower, I guess, for lack of better terms? Yeah, I mean, I think if, I think there's again extreme. So if you want to do everything in house, so if you want to say, look, I want to completely take this all in house, one of the first things you're going to do is you're going to rank out the the highest priority um, areas for your data science scientists to work on. So you'll need um, at the minimum one data scientist, but you know to to go, you know, just being able to crunch data and kind of uh, produce algorithms usually isn't enough. For most organizations, because you want to be able to automate certain aspects of your organization. Yeah. So you can kind of think of two different components. You can think of someone that's working on the data. You can think of someone that's um, applying machine learning to that data, intelligence layer of that data. But then you need folks that can operate operationalize that information. Which and those folks will often have a data bend um, and understand how to interface with these machine learning systems, how to make them real time, responsive, and automated. And those two sets of skills are in super high demand right now. So the, the machine yeah. learning data folks, as well as the folks that can automate that. But those, those would be kind of the minimum in terms of teams that you would need in order to really operationalize this type of technology. And but what we see a lot is folks will go out and search for someone that might have a background in data um, that can crunch data. Oftentimes, those folks might not have a strong background in kind of big data technology. So how do you store all this data? How do you index into all this data? How do you take all this data and pump it into a machine learning algorithm? Those skills um, you don't necessarily learn unless you're actually in industry for for several years. Yeah, yeah, that that might not even be you know material. You, I mean, maybe nowadays you would, but maybe wouldn't even be on the normal academic curriculum necessarily. At least, exactly. at least, yeah, at least in the same kind of level of of robustness or responsibility to a business goal. So when you say uh, companies will find someone on their own team who can crunch data, but by that, do you just imply, you know, they can they can get uh, fancy with Excel and, and SQL and they can kind of clean up information if they need to and streamline information if they need to and work with APIs a little bit? What does um, crunch imply when you uh, have that as kind of like a, a baseline yeah. level of skill you need in-house? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's a, there's a whole pipeline when you think about it. Yeah. So so first, there's cleaning of the data and organizing the data, and there's folks that specialize in that. 
Then there's folks that will take that data and um, potentially run it through algorithms and visualize the results of those, those algorithms. And then I think there's folks that take the output of those algorithms and operationalize that by automating it. And so I think there's kind of three sections almost to your organization that you would need to find dedicated folks um, in order really to deploy this, 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 this type of technology. And then I, yeah, and I'd almost say there's, a, there's another layer kind of below that, which are the, the operations folks. So the folks that are going to run your clusters that are storing all your data, the folks that are going to make sure that your automation is very responsive um, and can deal with the, the throughput that might be needed. You know, so we work with some very large organizations like Wall Street Journal, Walmart, et cetera, that have require very responsive APIs um, that are talking to these machine learning, this machine learning infrastructure. And so there you start needing operations engineers. So you need folks that take your data, cleanse it. You need folks that are going to actually run your machine learning and AI infrastructure. Then you need folks that are going to build out the ways to interface with those results. And then overarching all that, you need operations engineers that are really going to um, manage that entire workflow and ensure that the, the, the systems are running with high uptime. Got it. So it sounds like if, if you're tuned into this episode and you're sort of wholly aware that your department doesn't have those Lego bricks, uh, then, you know, thinking of, you know, pulling in a vendor or pulling in a tool and really improving any kind of results tangibly on the marketing side with machine learning might be a little bit unrealistic uh, because it sounds like those are kind of the necessary building blocks. Am I am I right in, in that statement? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I think right now, most, most organizations are finding extremely hard to find the talent that I just talked yeah. about. You're um, right. There, there's, and you, you've probably seen this as well, Dan, oh, yeah. just in the ecosystem. Big there's, time. There, there's a dearth. Yep. There, there is a dearth indeed. There's not enough. Uh, not everybody can. <laughs> Stanford and Carnegie Mellon can't pump them out fast enough for, uh, for what the world requires right now. Um, and, I, and I think that'll probably lead to eventually some of the facets of what you, what you just mentioned, all those aspects of handling data, some of that becoming layperson friendly, whether it be through protocols or, or software or or whatnot. I, I can't imagine it will always be wizards that tackle all of that. But yeah, well, at least for right now, it's it's tough stuff. And a quick sidebar, yeah. Alex, sorry for the, the loud like drumming and whistling outside. We never know when the anti-Trump rallies are going to uh, walk, walk, walk down uh, McCall- McAllister uh, Street here in San Francisco, but it's you know once every two days at some random hour. You never really know. So apparently, right now it's 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 right now. But anyway, uh, won't stop us from getting in a good interview. Last question that I have, Alex, that I think would be really useful for the folks tuned in is uh, again what we try to do here as best as possible is talk to really smart people who can paint a picture as to. What's working? How do we get it to work? What are the hard business realities of these technologies? We want them to drive results, not just kind of hype and hearsay, but but really boots on the ground realities of, of again, what it takes to drive business results. In AI, in marketing specifically, where, where you have a lot of your experience, at least with Vidora here, I'm interested in what are the facets of the marketing process that uh, humans really still own run and are responsible for in the creative and the operational side? And then what are the aspects that the machine sort of tackles. I think people think to themselves, okay, artificial intelligence means automation. Maybe uh, the way it, you know, maybe it actually writes the copy. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, maybe it actually schedules the timing of the copy. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it determines the, the base customer segments to iterate off of. Maybe humans need to do that. Right? But people, I don't think, can necessarily imagine 
what aspects really remain in the, her, the human purview? Where does the machine really step in and do its job? You know, from an academic perspective and from a business perspective, you're pretty well qualified to answer that. How do you like to frame that for people so they understand what's it going to look like when we start applying this? Yeah, it's, that's an amazing question and, and I think an area that's very uh, exciting and, and changing. But you know, I think the way we view it is the following. We think, um, you know, when you think about where machine learning, which is really the AI that, that we focus on, um, but where that's really having the, the biggest impact, humans basically frame the problem and almost frame a parameter set, which the machine learning optimizes over. So the parameter set, you know, to your point could be, you know, very simple parameter might be when to send a push notification and to whom to send a particular push notification. Let's say you have a new movie that becomes available. You can say, hey, who should I send this to and when should I send that to them? That's a parameter set that a machine learning algorithm can optimize over. And that's where we see machine learning being most effective when there's a defined set of parameters that the machine learning algorithm can learn, be dynamically learn, take in more data, iterate, and get better and better at figuring out who should be sent this particular um, new, new movie. And so if you can define a problem that has a set of parameters where there's data being collected, where there's this, this dynamic aspect, that's really where machine learning shines. But what machine learning isn't doing right now as effectively is, let's say you had um, you wanted to generate the text to write to a particular user, or you wanted to um, figure out whether or not you should run a campaign at all. Let's say you have a Christmas campaign that you want to run or a holiday campaign that you want to run. Machine learning right now um, would not be able to think strategically and understand enough about the world to say, okay, we should be running campaigns that have a lot of red in them over the holidays because that's a Christmas color, right? So the, the creatives and the strategy right now are still sitting with, with humans um, who are defining that, but really it's then the parameters of how those campaigns look and that are being optimized over. But I think what's really fascinating is the domain of machines is expanding um, almost on a weekly basis. You yeah, see that domain, yeah. that bubble getting bigger and bigger. And that's what's really exciting because I think, you know, for five, the next foreseeable future, humans will define strategy and creatives, but the domain of what machines are possible, what, what it's possible for them to do is going to expand. Yeah, that, that, that takes us into uh, the grand... Uh the grand moral purpose of tech emergence in terms of uh, really kind of guiding the implications and applications of these technologies to like the big game. Because yeah, when uh, at, at a certain high enough level of kind of context uh, and decision making, uh, assuming it's better than, than what humans could do, man, uh, the ramifications there get pretty wacky and wild uh, outside of the marketing space pretty quick. Um, yeah. But uh, We'll, we'll assume that that won't happen too soon and that we can talk about the practical applications in marketing. It sounds like in terms of today, like you said, of course, there's, there's a pretty firm expansion of these technologies in terms of what they can do and the developments week over week. But the, the, the basic understanding, I guess, the way that we're couching this for a business audience is that the, the creative, the initial creative impetus of marketing, the initial factors and facets that we're going to optimize, whether it be push notifications, email marketing, uh, follow up with a phone call, particular copy on a website, whatever, what we're optimizing, the people are picking, and how we're going to score that, I think humans have to kind of tee up, at which point the pattern recognition and the decision making around 
which of those options or how to make those adjustments so long as it's, I guess, quantifiable, that's more in the purview of, of what the machines are doing today. And it sounds safe to say that, you know, hopefully for at least the end of this year, uh, it, it will it will stay that way. And that will kind of be the general dynamic of man and machine um, in marketing. Is that, is that a proper way to sort of wrap words around it? Yeah, you, you, yeah, per, that's perfect. Yeah, nice. Okay, I don't, I don't always do a good job, Alex. I've been lucky with you. I, th- <laughs> I think, I think you've been wrapping words around things well, and then I've just been uh, stating them again to make sure that I have them right. But it, it is, of course, important that the the audience goes home with a the same kind of mental picture or as close to it as as a smart fellow like yourself would have, so that they understand what's real, what's possible, and what's not. Um, obviously you guys are working on pushing the envelope of what those machines are capable of. And certainly I think that that will change, but I think it's nice to have a concrete understanding. So anyway, I know we're just about on time. Alex, I sincerely appreciate you really laying out some of your insights around where this technology is making a difference and importantly, how this has been tremendously insightful and big, big thanks uh, for joining us on the podcast. Well, thank you. Thank you, Dan. That wraps up today's episode here on the Tech Emergence Podcast, and thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to stay in touch with our latest interviews with C-level executives and top researchers and thinkers in the domains of AI and the intersection of technology and intelligence, then make sure to subscribe here on iTunes or visit us on our main website at techemergence.com, where you can see all of our interviews broken down by category, as well as articles, news, market research, and trends in artificial intelligence. If you found this episode particularly thought-provoking, feel free to leave your thoughts in a review here on iTunes, or you can feel free to reach out to us at our main website. Thanks, as always, for tuning in, and I'll catch you next week.